Welcome to Biochat, a podcast by Abnormal Technology. My name is Ken Wong, and with this podcast, we aim to familiarize you with not only Abnormal's contributions to efforts in scientific discovery, but also to highlight the direction of ongoing research and help scientists determine how to best leverage their skills to improve global human health and quality of life. Join me today in welcoming Dr. Hai Wu. He has a PhD and is the Chief Technology Officer at the Antibody Division at Abclonal Technology. Dr. Wu co-developed the single B-cell-based monoclonal antibody discovery technology known as SMAP. This enables high-throughput development of high-affinity, high-specificity monoclonal antibodies, and the resulting antibodies significantly surpasses those developed using traditional technologies such as hybridoma and phagosplasm. Antibody products generated using SMAP have been widely adopted as research tools, diagnostic products, and therapeutic leads. Prior to joining Abclonal, Dr. Wu earned his PhD in genetics from the University of Rochester and completed his postdoctoral training at UMass Medical School. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Wu. How are you doing? Thank you, Kim. I'm doing well. I'm very glad to have this opportunity to speak to our audience. Yeah, so I always ask my guests this, and we are colleagues at the same company. But why don't you tell us why you love science? Why you ended up doing what you do now? I think、uh, loving science has originated from my curiosity to the natural world. I grew up in a rural area. I mean, as a kid, I always did a lot of, I would say, exploratory activities like you know catching little fish, shrimp, and you know playing little、uh, insects. It's just inspiring, and it's kind of a natural. And with the curiosity growing up, yeah, I end up and more towards biology、uh, major, and eventually end up with a PhD、uh, degree in genetics. So, how did you get from genetics to antibodies? That's、uh, kind of a curiosity because usually with genetics you work with DNA, but based on your genetics background, you would probably have a lot of very relevant experience in engineering antibodies from their genes, from the IgH and IgL genes. I think one of the beauty of doing science is that sometimes you're doing one topic and you bump into another topic. So. My initial interest into antibodies is、uh, when I started genomics and epigenetics. We use a lot of antibodies to do chip, chip seq. We are suffering from getting good antibodies with consistent performances. That's really a bugging issue. Even with some of those products from leading providers, sometimes you have all these batch differences. That's、uh, one of the driving force for me. To develop good antibodies, when I have a chance to co-develop this single B-cell platform、uh, with Dr. Yang Lo at Eurogen, and this is one of the main reasons that brought me、uh, into the antibody、uh, field. That actually gives us a perfect segue into our main talk today, which is the advantages of Alclonal's SMAP platform. So you work for the custom reagent services, particularly the antibody production pipeline, where we are going to provide optimized antibodies that are highly specific, that bind very well. They have high affinity. They have broad applications in whatever experimental application that they need, because they have a particular target that doesn't have a commercially available antibody, like you said. We can take this opportunity to. Educate our audience about SMAP. Yes,、yeah, SMAP platform actually、uh, gets its name on that using、uh, single B cell, and we want to develop a, a superior antibody to our client. And this platform 
is a way that uh, you culture B cells. And we think this is one of the best technical routes that could save our client cost and give us the best uh, result. Briefly, I'll describe the um, process, how SNAP platform works in our pipeline. So first of all, we would get high-quality antigen and immunize the animal, mainly in our cases, rabbit, and we would isolate either PBMC or splenocytes from the immunized animal. The cells uh, will go through uh, enrichment and sorting, and those B cells that recognize the antigen that we're interested in will be sorted out in a single cell or format into each well and cultured for extended time. In the end of the culturing time, we would characterize the antibody secreted into the cell medium. We use a lot of assays, like ELISA, WB, SAX, or even blocking assays between ligand and receptor and to single out those antibody clones that are really affecting our need. And the rest of them will be saved for later. In a single campaign, we would have SACs, uh, grade antibody, uh, we would also uh, isolate ELISA grade antibody. They're suitable for different applications. So once we have uh, decided a short list of antibodies, we would uh, do traditional PCR cloning to get the HVL gene out from a single B cell expanded clone. And those clones will be uh, transfected into mammalian cells and uh, recombinant expressed. And using the supernatant from those transfected cells, so we would do a secondary screening, or we typically call it a refining screening. So once this refining screening is done, uh, we would end up even a shorter list with antibodies more suitable to our application or applications. So then we would convert them into recombinant expression using plasmid to purify them out and do more thorough validation, either qualitatively or quantitatively. And some of them will also be engineered for special applications. So once these uh, pre-production steps, characterization and radiation engineering is done, we would uh, go through uh, mass uh, production, depends on the need. The final product will be either uh, for our client or uh, we would put them into our, our product inventory. Our current focus is Rabbit because it has a superior affinity specificity, and, but we also can deal with uh, cells from human, other animals like uh, mouse, monkey, and pig, and also llama. It's very universal. Once you get the genes, you can actually engineer the antibody, but in order to get the antibody in the first place, we don't really have much of a choice because the host immune system of whichever antibody that we use is much more capable of generating that antibody diversity that you can eventually enrich from. So we unfortunately can't get away from animals in, in this production process. To me, with uh, years of experience, and also I mean, from different uh, conversations with our client and our own product development uh, experience, I think the best antibody typically coming out from those more natural, I would say, we're still a apprentices of uh, learning from nature. My first choice uh, that immunizing animal with uh, their good quality antigen to get the best uh, candidate antibody. But essentially, once you get that antibody and you are able to enrich it through through the various culturing and screening processes, 
you have the gene, you can put it in any cell system that you want to express it in. You can even manipulate the gene to essentially artificially improve the affinity and the specificity of that antibody. Is that correct? Yes. With the ORM recombinant expression with the clear, verified, validated VHVR sequences, you can do all sorts of things, uh, such as FC swapping and humanization, affinity improvement, maturation, right? All sorts of things that you typically see in refining the performance of anybody. About the culturing, because a lot of different companies use a very similar technique, but ours is unique in that we use an ex vivo culturing system. Could you elaborate on that? I think we picked this technique route uh, with the belief that we also heard from ourselves and also from our clients' experience that they want a more targeted screening. And with that, you want to know the function of that specific candidate clone as early as possible. The best way to do that is uh, in a more nurturing yet stimulating environment that B cell can secrete enough antibodies for those assays. But certainly we, we've already uh, refined our assays and reduced the needed antibody, make them more uh, suitable for micro volume uh, assays and yet with uh, good enough precision and reproducibility. And those are a very unique angle and also solution that we provide for the community that we culture and stimulate the cells in, uh, in, the, uh, in vitro. So that way, we would have better and yet faster capitalization as early as uh, possible. And also, uh, in a way that if you're working with a smaller number of clones afterwards, those cl uh, clones selected from a bigger pool, right? So you would save a cost upfront. You don't have to randomly, in a larger scale manner, deal with a large number of uh, workload. And that uh, also speed up deliveries. You had intimated that we can do a lot of the potential assay development and assay validation for the customer as we produce the antibody for them. Most of the customers probably use it for Western blotting, which is one of the primary uses of antibody reagents. Uh, some of them will likely use it for IHC or immunofluorescence. Some of them will most likely use it for chip and maybe cut and tag other dot blots for things that we normally don't do. Uh, how do we accommodate the customer? Do we just give the antibody to the customer and let them give it a try? Or do we develop the assay with them side by side? For example, if they want to do a chip, we would actually get some of their samples and do it within their particular system. I think we do have the capability of doing that. We have a big team that is technically capable, but we tend to ask our clients uh, to assist us because they know their target better, they know their asset better. For those validations, the quality of samples are very key to the success. And also, I mean, in the early on, we were in, in the culture, in the primary screen stage, we typically don't go for uh, like check will cut those uh, large quantity or purified antibody fits better scenario. And those will be moved a little bit later to purified antibody stage. But certainly we can collaborate with the client to offer those assay development. 
Obviously, the customer can look on our website at appclono.com to look for the standard package, request a quote. Afterwards, like if the customer wanted to potentially humanize this antibody or adjust the application, what whatever they they want, like because you have the genes again, you can essentially do whatever you want. And because this gene is probably quality assured. So you sequence it often, you make sure that there are no random mutations during the gene construction process. And so you can have a perpetual reagent. So the client could essentially use up the stock of antibody that you've produced, or they can actually get the gene from you and cultivate it themselves at some point, correct? Yes. And also we can do custom production for them as well. So. That's really awesome. Like uh, there's a lot of versatility with this process. And I, I see just from my help with marketing these services and talking to you that there, there's a lot of bang to your book with the service. And it, it's uh, actually really, really impressive. Uh, I've used antibodies quite a bit. Like they are from uh, an experimental standpoint, from me being in graduate school and using lots and lots of antibodies, the cost does add up. So being able to defray some of that cost through uh, the technologies that you've described is probably very attractive to our customers. And I, I commend you for developing this platform. This is slated to drop in September. September is actually Blood and Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And we can actually talk about some of the products that we have done with clients to assist with this awareness. For example, we have this case study, a publication in Cancer Cell published in 2019 from the Fernari Lab at the University of California at San Diego. And what we have is a study, this is the inhibition of nuclear P10 tyrosine phosphorylation enhances glioma radiation sensitivity through attenuated DNA repair. And they actually had a couple of custom-made antibodies. One of them was from us, from Abclonal. And this is an anti-P10 antibody, but specifically an anti-phosphotyrosine 240 antibody. P10 being a classical tumor suppressor, uh, they are able to use this antibody very well in their publication. And obviously, cancer cell is a high-tier publication, not that you know, something that's in some other journal isn't important. But considering the tier of journal and the quality of their data, I thought maybe we can talk a little bit about the development process for this antibody and how it benefited our customers. Actually, uh, rapid monoclonal antibodies are especially good at recognizing those small changes in epitope. For example, they recognize unphosphorylated epitope, but yet you can develop a specific antibody that recognizes the phosphorylated epitope. For example, this phosphorylated tyrosine um, 240 and P10. So, and when we did the project, first of all, we would see there are uh, some differences in recognizing phosphorylated and non-phosphorylated peptide. And the serum uh, we pick uh, coming from a rabbit with a very good uh, titer, and, and uh, we isolate a splenocytes from the animal and put them into cell sorting using the phosphorylated tyrosine peptide. And we ended with uh, 96 different clones. We picked 12 after discussion with our client 
I would say actually uh, we have uh, more than two uh, showcased here that works well. And then these two are the best two and the client picked those two as their final delivery and that worked well to strengthen their studies which published in Cancer and we're very happy for our clients that anybody did help them to elucidate some of the mechanisms that can in the future develop either therapies or diagnosis method or understanding the fundamental mechanisms that will give us the more thorough explanation of cancer progression. And in this study, based on their results, they were able to show that usually this is phosphorylated by FGFR, which is the fibroblastular factor receptor at this uh, tyrosine site. But if you can inhibit that, you now sensitize these uh, particular cancer cells to radiation therapy. And that's potentially really important for, you know, the prognosis of these, these clients. So, at some point, a lot of cancers do re- become resistance therapy. If you can remove some of this resistance, now you've improved the quality of life and the survival outcome for these patients. So, yay, yeah, clonal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Actually, you know, a little bit of offside topic on that is that nowadays people are thinking delivery those anybody's intracellular that can target those intracellular targets, which previously was not druggable because uh, most of the drug, uh, in the anybody drug right now, we develop our targeting membrane proteins, receptors, ligands, right? People are developing those intracellular develop, uh, delivery method to expand our target selection, which uh, I would say in the future would fundamentally change uh, some of those previous uncurable diseases. Uh, when you talk about intracellular development systems, I was reading up on camelid antibodies, which can be turned into nanobodies. And so we have this particular case study where you actually immunized an alpaca, of all things, with a SARS-CoV-2 spike S1 protein. So normally when we talk about immunization, we think of rabbits and mice and guinea pigs and maybe chickens. But when you decide to now use an alpaca. What was the basis behind using the alpaca? And I believe that has something to do with the way their antibodies are structured. Yeah, actually, Lama recently, including, I mean, the alpaca is a smaller camelids, and uh, with the Lama, all these are the camelids in the new world, and they have a very special biology that they would have those single-chain antibody uh, only with the comprised of two heavy chain, and they have an extra long CH3 domain that would recognize the antigen. And this gives quite advantages in many applications. The antibody is a small, that's why it gets named nanobody, right? It's only about 15 kD without any tag, uh, and as yet functional in recognizing the antigens. I think the other very special part, because it's a small size, you would get into those so-called cryptic epitopes that previously with a larger antibody is not accessible. And those antibodies can also somehow be very stable. There are a few studies also showed that nanobody could uh, withstand the challenge of high temperature as high as 90 degrees of heat for like 10 minutes. I remember that a while ago, I read a paper that there is a company developed a caffeine-specific VHH antibody to test how much caffeine is in a cup of coffee. 
which also you know showcase the stability of nanobodies. And recently, it gets moment uh, in diagnosis and our therapeutics because it's small size, easy to engineer. You don't have to deal with the traditional H2 L2 pairing issue, right? So it's a uh, it's very attractive. I think there are many other aspects I didn't uh, really elaborate on, but this is a very attractive uh, class of anybody that uh, has a lot of potential in diagnosis in anybody tool development, including therapeutics. It, it just kind of surprised me because when I looked at the structure of a VHH antibody versus the normal like heavy and light chain antibody, essentially you are missing three CDR or complementarity determining regions because you don't have that second chain. But at the same time, you don't lose all that much in specificity. Is that correct? Yeah, you don't need that pairing. So it acts hmm. by its own. That's wonderful. And you also alluded to the fact that they are much more like thermostable and they are very robust antibodies, I, I assume, because, you know, camels need to survive in the heat. So at some point they need to thermoregulate and make sure that their antibodies don't melt or something inside their bodies while they're traveling uh -huh. the desert. But uh, yeah, let's take a look at this uh, SARS-CoV-2 spike S1 protein uh, antibody. So First of all, when you immunize the alpaca, you don't just have the VHX antibodies, you have everything else. So you have to select for the VHX versus the uh, normal IgG complement. Yes, actually, this is a great question. We always end up with the challenges that how can we differentiate those VHX B cells from IgG B cells? Typically, we would test the total IgG to see if the animal uh, respond properly to the antigen. Yet, we want to know how is the success rate we can get. So when we check on the VHH specific titer, because that's the real meaningful, not every B cell is secreting VHH. So do we have good titer? That means in the population of B cell, we would have enough B cells that secreting VHH antibodies. And that will give us a very promising indicators. This project work towards the right direction. So in this case, we do see a good titer against the VHH at the second bleed. We used a single B cell platform, isolated VHH specific B cell clones. 896 well placed culture. We got 38 positive. 26 of them are binding to the receptor binding domain of a small protein. And the diversity is pretty good as well. VHH positive B cells are generally less abundant. And it's actually really cool that you can differentiate between things that just bind the parts of the spike S1 that aren't as relevant to the study versus the one that do bind to the RBD of the, the spike protein. Now that you have selected your appropriate clones, you are now able to clone said antibody into an expression vector and reproduce it. And so you did a pseudovirus neutralization assay. Could you elaborate on that? Yes. So the antibody would do have the capability to neutralize infection virus. So we compared one of the best positive control antibodies, which is known uh, and neutralizing its traditional uh, H2L2 type uh, antibody. And we see that a VHH has slightly weaker neutralization assay um, activity, but it, it actually um, can neutralize the infection. 
we did extend the immunization stage longer, and we get even better BHH could have similar neutralization activity comparing to positive controls. And because these are larger animals, you can potentially do that because with a rabbit at some point there, they're just unfortunately going to bleed to death, uh, despite however well you are able to treat them via re- regulations governing animal uh, husbandry. But with an alpaca or a camel, like they're just so much larger that you can potentially do like three or four rounds. And we did see that, you know, the multiple rounds of immunization do improve the binding of the antibody against your antigen. So that's actually really fun to see. There were some studies showing that VHH generation is lagging behind uh, the regular IgG generation. So with extended immunization time, you will certainly get more. But uh, of course, uh, there are some uh, exceptions. Well, overall, with extended immunization, you certainly will get better results. So these are custom projects, and what you had alluded to before is that some of the the technology that we use, we are actually using to provide reagents within our catalog. So the next thing we can talk about are catalog products via AppClonal that you can peruse at AppClonal.com that are available thanks to the SNAP technology that Dr. Wu was talking about. So we have AB Flow, which is for flow cytometry. We have Polymap, which is essentially a multi-epitope-targeted antibody cocktail. These are all recombinant rabbit monoclonal antibodies, by the way. And we also have PathoQ, which are specifically designed for pathological analysis. ABFlow is a directly conjugated primary antibody that will recognize the target on the cell surface or perhaps intracellularly. And the tag is a fluorophore that... Standard, it comes in 488 nanometers, which is green, and 647 nanometers, which is red, because a lot of flow cytometers in uh, flow cytometer like core facilities have those standard channels. That will allow you to have versatility to just say, you know, I want a blue channel, I want a purple channel, I want yellow or whatever to study some other marker. But for the very standard markers, for example, if you were studying a T cell or B cell biology, for T cells, you would want to differentiate between a CD4 T cell or a CD8 T cell, and you you have to use an antibody to gate for that. So what AD Flow is providing for our customers is a way to say, you don't have to use a secondary antibody for this, just label your CD4, and now you can do whatever else you want with the panel of antibodies based on however many channels are available on your flow cytometer. So here we have our ABFlow 488 rabbit anti-human slash anti-monkey CD4. We developed this ABFlow pipelines. Uh, is that because the, the affinity and specificity of rapid monoclonal antibodies are great for those sensitive yet uh, require a highly precision and specificity assays? In this case, flow cytometry. You're using our SMAP platform to develop those uh, antibodies. Uh, these uh, specific CD4 antibodies developed from human CD4 recombinant protein reproduced in-house. And we immunize the rabbit, we get good titer, and then we select uh, the best uh, candidate. We validate it thoroughly with the three rounds of experiments at the B-cell um, culturing stage, and then uh, at our later on refined uh, screen called a secondary screen stage, 
and then uh, we uh, reassure our result using purified antibody. Uh, all these uh, antibodies perform very consistently, and with uh, these results, we would we've already compared with our uh, leading competitors, and our antibodies does outperform competitors intensity and the narrow peak, uh, which means it stands very well. Uh, we have more data coming using traditional sample type like uh, PBMC. And this is uh, one of the core TBMK panel that we are developing. And luckily, this antibody also cross-reactive to monkey. And monkey has been a very important uh, experimental animal uh, used for those uh, drug development clinical stage, uh, the preclinical stage, and they were used as uh, large animals to evaluate the drugs. And, and we could use those CD4 antibody to monitor the health status or the physiological changes inside the uh, monkey body before and after drug administration. And those are great tools to monitor the dynamics of T cells. I had talked to Rosa before on our podcast about like the differences in antigen design for something that's primarily for a Western blot, but versus something that has to look at a three-dimensional native epitope so that you can't like just bomb the, the cell with SDS and, and use the same antigen. You have to use a, a natural antigen. And the fact that you are able to get so such good separation between your negative control and positive control is really impressive. We can also talk about B cells. So in addition to T cell markers, we have B cell markers such as our AB Flow 647 rabbit anti-human, also anti-monkey CD19 monoclonal antibodies. This is, again, a rabbit monoclonal antibody uh, recombinant uh, expressed using the SMAB technology. And this time it's in the red channel. And uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about this one, too. Yes, uh, CD19 has been a very important marker for B cells, particularly those uh, late stage uh, true B cells, right? And it's a, a key marker for B cell uh, to study B cell dynamics uh, in vivo. In this case, we used a uh, recombinant and bioactive CD19 that we validated its uh, bioactivity. Uh, before we immunize the rabbit. The antibody resulting from this project uh, can recognize uh, the two uh, frequently seen cell lines coming from B-cell lymphoma, uh, Roger cells and Dottie cells. We also validate uh, the antibody that recognizes the monkey CD19 because uh, human and monkey CD19s are very homologous. They're pretty much identical in many of the uh, 3D structures and primary sequences. So I think this is also a very key tool that we want to bring to our clients uh, that they could use uh, in you know, biotech and biopharma industries for many of those asset developments, uh, such as uh, when you monitor the B-cell dynamics. And we also have uh, other B-cell markers like CD20 coming up soon. All these will form nice panel to characterize those lymphocytes uh, subpopulations, which is the key to understand the biology. And the fact that you, this panel is ever expanding and you're using, again, this technology that guarantees 
as much as we can with modern technology, but it guarantees a high specificity, high affinity antibody that will always be available as long as we have the gene, as long as we have the capability of expressing it. So that's AB Flow for you. That's a really wonderful reagent, and I hope it makes a lot of our customers' lives a lot easier. This being Cancer Awareness Month, so this is both blood cancer and childhood cancer awareness month. We thought we'd take a look at some cancer-specific antibody targets. So here we're actually talking about our polymap antibodies. How do we choose the epitopes that go into the cocktail that makes up these recombinant rabbit monoclonal antibodies that recognize this particular target? Like what is the thought process behind that? Another philosophical thinking is that uh, uh, we always come to the client and get the feedback uh, that uh, some of the antibody only fits to one species or one certain application. They want an antibody product that applies to different applications, right? In this case, IF or IHC, and also can do good quality WB uh, pictures for publication. And we uh, learn uh, from the nature. So polychromal antibody has been existed for 100 years, uh, over 100 years. But the beauty of polymap is that we make it a more uh, reproducible because we have all these defined antibody, monochrome antibodies been mixed uh, carefully that they recognize different epitopes. And those epitopes uh, typically could be uh, adjacent to each other with a uh, decent distance without uh, you know, interfering on uh, the binding of two antibodies. So the antibody binds pretty much independently. Uh, sometimes uh, one antibody binding could facilitate the other antibody's binding. So that would stabilize the structure, the local fragment. So that would sometimes generate uh, new applications. For In this case, we have two linear epitopes that recognized by uh, two antibodies in either mouse or either human. But once we uh, combine them together, they have a synergy that would uh, stabilize their binding on the cell and can perform uh, IF application here. So that would expand the antibody into uh, new applications. So we have more coming that uh, would say reminiscent to the uh, polyclonal antibodies, uh, multi-application uh, nature, yet with uh, the quality, uh, stability, uh, reproducibility of monoclonal antibody. And so we just try to uh, combine the beauty of both into this special product line. Yeah, that's the best of both worlds when you have something that has all those different applications, but you know that the previous rabbit died. We got to immunize a new rabbit. This antibody doesn't work as well. But because you specifically engineered this antibody and this antibody can be re- reproduced uh, recombinantly, uh, you, you basically have this antibody for as long as, you know, the earth exists and DNA exists, right? Yeah. Uh, in this case, CDKN1A is the P21 molecule. It's under the control of P53, our little cancer connection here. Let's talk a little bit about Cathol-Q. So in this case, we're talking about immunohistochemistry with both fresh sections and also paraffin-embedded formalin-fixed sections. So in this case, we have our beta-catenin rabbit monoclonal antibody. It's also knockout validated. So there is data on our website showing that when you knock 
out the gene, there is no band. So that's like the easiest and probably most visual way we can confirm that this is in fact specific. So as you know, beta-catenin acts downstream of canonical wind signaling. It regulates cell adhesion. It's associated with a lot of cancers and especially colorectal cancer. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how the development process for IHC-based antibodies is performed at Aplonal. PASA-Q product line, uh, the premium IHC-grade antibody product line uh, that we are uh, growing. The process is a very thorough uh, validation to, as the key to uh, develop those high-quality antibodies. From the beginning to the end, that uh, we use different types of IHCs. For example, in B-cell stage, there, once we have B-cell culture supernatant, we have those very mini size, we call it a mini, w, uh, mini HC setting that uh, we could use only small amount of B-cell supernatant to cover tissue microarray that would help us to select the IHC grade from the beginning. I think IHC has uh, been a little bit hard because uh, we know sometimes uh, people say, oh, WB grade antibody is good for IHC. They only candidate for if you really want to test their performance, you have to use the real application. So we start in the correct way, screening the antibody using uh, IHC itself to test its performance in IHC. And after that, we have those uh, recombinant supernatant and a purified antibody. They will go through from mini IHC to multi-sample TMA uh, slides to thoroughly validate and evaluate its performance. Uh, we use both a uh, certain number of positive controls and also negative controls, make sure they have good signal in positive uh, samples and very low or no background binding in negative samples. Uh, beta candidate certainly, as you said, is a key protein and transcription factor in wind signaling. Wind signaling involves almost every aspect of cell physiology and pathology. And this is uh, one that you had told me about. This is actually MX MSH6, also KO validated. This is a DNA mismatch repair protein, and the disruption of DNA mismatch repair obviously means you accumulate mutations, and now you have all kinds of cancers that are possible, including colorectal cancers. So what we have here that uh, our audio listeners can't can't see, but you know, uh, those of you who are watching on YouTube can. We have a Western blot of various cell lines, and we also have the KO experiment where you can see definitely, like if you've knocked out this gene, there is no band. And now we also have an IHC image of both the human appendix and of the human colon carcinoma, and you can see just this beautiful dark brown where you have positive staining. So what can you tell us about this one? Since <laughs> you, you, you seem very happy about this one, Dr. Wu. Yes, I'm very happy about this. Um, because, uh, um, if you look, uh, certainly you have a very specific antibody that recognizes MSH6. We have an in-house uh, antigen designing team, very capable that also we get inspir or say ideas from the uh, structural data from protein 3D structures that we specifically select a small um, peptide that acts uh, that's uh, accessible molecules 
surface. Also, thanks to the uh, many years of uh, structural biology study, we have this data available. And we chose this specific peptide, which has uh, very good specificity. It has uh, least uh, homology to uh, MSH and uh, related proteins. Uh, very uh, unique in this uh, MSH6 protein. So that's one of the fun, uh, fundamental aspects we bring it to, uh, to the wellness of our client, that we have to get a proper, good antigen design before we develop antibodies. So this uh, carefully chosen peptide did uh, reward it as well, that we not only get a good WB antibody, but yet we have this beautiful, clear, strong signal and the subcellular localization is clear into the nuclear nuclei here, that uh, which is uh, where this protein resides in. Uh, it involves in the DNA mismatch, it stays in nuclear. The cancer area, you see the great, uh, strong, dark brownish uh, staining pattern. Yeah, but certainly some of those uh, proteins would reside in. I mean, the, the, the protein would uh, appear in those uh, uh, normal cells, but uh, it just uh, has a stronger signal in uh, um, cancer-related tissues. It, it's a great antibody. So it's, I would say it's good antibody is also coming from a carefully designed project, from the antigen design screening plan that we uh, used for uh, identifying those antibodies and uh, the thorough validation. And of course, uh, in the end, we would have reproducible and highly qualified production team to deliver consistent antibody products. Yeah, these are all t- all hands on deck type products, and it speaks to the conceptualization, the experience that you all have with this platform and with just generating high quality antibodies from the first time you think about it on a computer all the way to the last drop that comes out of the <laughs> affinity purification column. So this is a, actually a really wonderful project. Obviously, Smart Platform has given us very uh, critical tools and yet expandable platforms that get us uh, to develop quality products at the same time, we will also offer these wonderful tools as our CRO platform to benefit a broader community. It's not, I mean, our product line team cannot develop all products to cover all targets. I think those CRO projects are more tailoring to our clients' needs that they could develop their own products. And, and that's a wonderful platform. And also, I, mean, I would uh, advertise a little bit more I mean, uh, uh, to our product lines. Our team has been spent uh, almost three years to develop those uh, high-quality rapid monoclonal antibodies. Some of them, as you've seen already here in the different uh, sub-product uh, lines, uh, uh, really fits into different uh, specialized applications. Uh, yet we have more antibodies, high-quality monoclonal antibodies from rabbit uh, product development uh, stages, different stages. Uh, they are coming up in the coming years, and we hope our efforts in antibody development could bring more good antibodies, yet with affordable price that would prepare our scientific community better into the future. 
And with the versatility afforded by this platform, I think there's a lot of potential for the future, and I'm very excited to see what comes out. Dr. Wu, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate your time. Best wishes to the continued development of SNAP, and I hope we have a lot more customers to serve in the future so that we can really work together to bring up positive change to human health and quality of life. Thank you. Thank you, uh, our audience. All right. This has been a conversation with Dr. Hai Wu. He is our Chief Technology Officer at the Antivadi Division at Aplonal Technology. We hope you will join us again next time when we will explore another exciting topic about bioscience research, biotechnology, and careers in adjacent to biosciences. BioChat is a production of Aplonal Technology, hosted and edited by myself, Ken Lung. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media. You can find us at aplonal.com slash biochat. And you can, of course, find our various socials in the show notes link to Dr. Beaker's page on aplonal.com. We will also have the YouTube link for this in the podcast and also the podcast link for this in the YouTube link. So no matter what, you'll be able to find us. If you wish to contact the podcast directly for an interview opportunity or any comments or to inquire about Aplonal's quality products and services, please send a message to service at aplonal.com. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode.